Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim, here today with Lance, coming to you from the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. What's up, Lance? Tim, how are you? I'm well. Good. It, it feels good to be here, nestled in the uh, Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown, Massachusetts. Always. And today we have this really fun conversation. I'm not going to call it an interview because it was much more of like a roundtable with Scott and Forrest from the very popular podcast, Astonishing Legends. Sort of the uh, the other side of the coin for us, right? We're the America's most wanted to their unsolved mysteries, I guess you'd say. I think so. We kind of made that point in the in the episode. So if you like this podcast and like what we do, you may like Astonishing Legends as well, assuming you haven't heard of them. They talk about mysteries and really all kinds of things, but they do uh, sway a little closer towards the paranormal than we do, that's for sure. And one thing that we like about having a conversation with them is that there's not a lot that's off uh, limits. We we start on one topic and we just kind of let the conversation uh, meander out there and simmer in the crock pot. Open your mind when you listen to these guys. And these like these guys have really open minds. And uh, what it is is a mind-opening exercise that I love to be a part of. Love to be a part of the discussion and listening to it. Again, I don't even know if I believe in half the stuff we talk about, right? The stuff like the Mothman and UFOs and aliens. I mean, these are things that are out there uh, in theory, in people's um, in people's heads. Like, you know, there it's just this mystery that that if it was solved, you'd probably be disappointed to know that you no longer have that mystery to look into anymore. Right. So it's a fun conversation. It's it's a lot of fun. So we really highly recommend their podcast, Astonishing Legends. So please check it out today. Also, we just launched a Patreon page, Lance. It's not only exciting, it's important. Go to the Patreon page. You'll see the video where we explain the tiers. You can subscribe anywhere from $1 a month to $20 a month, and we explain what you'll get with each one of those tiers. Okay, everybody. So we hope you like the interview conversation with Astonishing Legends and go check them out and subscribe to our Patreon page. Thank you very much. Welcome to Crawl Space, guys. We got Scott and Forrest from Astonishing Legends. How are you? Uh, we're doing good. Very well. Thank you for having us. It's nice. It's it's really nice to be on your show as a guest instead of frantically preparing for our own show. <laughs> well, we're, we're our terrible guests of our own show. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be clear that um, we technically only have Scott on, so not to perpetuate any rumors, but the only image that we see on the screen right now is Scott. Um, yeah. And his mouth is conveniently covered by his pop filter, so I don't know if he's throwing his voice uh, if, a, if, if another deeper one comes in. There are a lot of people that think I'm the only one doing this show. Well, you'll be especially mystified when we always talk over each other, so we've we've tried to curb that. Wait, but, wait, wait. Uh, wait he's, he's, moving, his... he's moving his lips right now, Lance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, it's a, uh, yeah, there you go. See, there's the gag. Wait, take a sip of, yeah, take a drink. I'm I, an excellent ventriloquist. <laughs> This is, this is great radio, well. guys. Yeah. No, yeah. it, it's great it, for it, audio. Yeah. If you yeah. need a visual, it's as if um, it's that game you play when you stand in front of some or stand behind somebody and you put your arms through and you pretend to be their arms. Right. That's yeah. sort of what we're looking at right now. <laughs> yeah. But the audio version of that, which uh, plays <laughs> great. With audio, audio version of that. Right. Yeah. 
So uh, thanks a lot for joining us. This is going to be a real fun chat. We are big fans of your show, and it, you cover all kinds of topics, really. Um, some paranormal, some uh, legend stuff. Um, so I, I guess, how about you You tell us what, what your podcast is uh, first? Uh, what, Forrest, do you want to do Yeah, that? well, I mean, it, it started out of a mutual intense interest in just strange stories and and it could be anything that's we why we didn't really really want to limit ourselves to just the paranormal or just ghost stories uh you know scott would bring up something i mean we're talking about years ago uh you know scott would say like hey have you heard of dead water like no what is that it's like well this phenomenon when uh, you might be in, a, in an old sailing ship and you're not moving at all the sails are full you're not moving an inch and uh it, it's just you know, reported strange phenomenon. We'd check it out. He'd, we'd pass articles back and forth, uh, you know, and then uh, eventually over the years, uh, maybe, maybe now, maybe four or five years ago, you know, we said we should uh, talk about this on an audio format and a new thing called a podcast. So yeah. I mean, podcasts have been around since I, I think early days, 2003, 2004, um, since they were doable. And uh, we started, I think our first show was October 2014 yeah and yeah. we've been prepping for that for about a year and a half just <laughs> getting stuff in you know in order like how's this show gonna be should we should it just be the two of us with a moderator yeah we had lots and lots of meetings and then eventually uh my wife who is uh works in television and has done more just an amazing career she finally came to me and she goes how long how long are you guys going to talk about this when are you going to do something so. <laughs> we're never going to do it because that's frightening yeah <laughs> it's just easier to talk about it so yeah eventually uh we you know we would always get the uh elements together because you know we have backgrounds in post-production uh as video editors and uh with a little bit of audio and you know and a little bit of um I guess uh, I would say show business, but you know we've both worked on productions for uh, you know national media. So you realize like you better get a lot of that figured out first, rather than stumbling out of the gate and then trying to go, do it as you go along. Now that that stumbling part was us getting used to talking. Yeah. Uh, in front of microphones because that's a whole other trick which you guys know you know and all yeah. the filler words and i just said i just started that sentence with you know you yeah. know and all the filler words <laughs> well, you no know, we're constantly trying yeah. to uh curb ourselves of bad habits and and be cognizant of, of what the listener has to put up with with us and you know when we, when we first started we're we're interrupting each other a lot and you know and that's natural conversation so but on the other hand in an audio format, that can be annoying. So we have really kind of tried to refine that. So, yeah, over the years, really, it's a love of very strange stories, which run the gamut. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, biographies, interesting people throughout history. It could be paranormal things. It could be, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, historical stuff. Scott and I both love the Old West. So it's just, we don't limit ourselves to that. But we also have to keep in mind, it's that, you know, we can't just start talking about scrapbooking. It's, it's like, <laughs> wait, what? It has to be kind of in an, in a genre. And so we kind of term it as uh, anything interesting or unusual that we've, we want to talk about, we find interesting and we hope the audience does too. Yeah. And we do deep research on everything. Yeah, that was that was organically a, a big mistake because <laughs> that started. No, it's, it's just how we like to go about it. You know, we, we, we start getting into these rabbit holes and then uh, what you realize, like, oh, this is a four-hour show, so now yeah. we have to break that up. And then 
so that kind of happened organically. That's just our nature. It was, you know, we, we like to uh, dive deep into something and, and really know all the weird tidbits because a lot of the times we, we had heard of a, of a topic and it's all the general stuff everybody knows anyway. It's like, it's like what, uh, like what Yatlov Pass. It's, yeah, I, you know, some hikers went missing uh, in the Ural Mountains in Russia. It's very strange. They were found, uh, you know, very strange circumstances they were found in. Sounds kind of spooky. Is it, is it a monster? Is it the KGB? Who knows? You know, so we know those elements. But everybody who's heard of that topic will probably know those anyway. So then we take it a step further and try and, you know, dig up stuff for people that's interesting, that maybe stuff that they hadn't heard of. Right. I kind of feel like, <clears throat> now stop me if I'm going too far with this, anyone. But I kind of feel like we're like the bizarro versions of each other, and and I have a few <laughs> points here. Um, we're both we're both men, like uh, late thirties, early forties. All three of us. All, th- <laughs> All three <laughs> of us. Uh, you guys do more like parent, you know, a little bit more mysterious stuff, and we do a little bit more true crime stuff. So if you guys are unsolved mysteries, we're America's most wanted. Yeah. Um, you guys live on the West Coast. We live on the East Coast. Yeah. We're both with Audio Boom. You guys yep. are devastatingly handsome. We are not so much. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, uh, well Scott that. and I have uh, faces made for radio. Yeah. The joke goes, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah I, and and we, we, we do long-form things. Like, like, so you guys will produce a Mothman episode, which is, like, essentially six hours long, right? Or, or five hours long spread into four parts yeah it actually and, went that one went to five parts although we called right. the fourth and fifth ones 4a and 4b yeah that was a weird <laughs> weird little blip in there yeah. that, was, that was tricky you guys yeah um, so that was probably five or six hours yeah right yeah. and we do the missing maura murray podcast which we've done 70 episodes for for one case so yeah we're very it's familiar impressive. with the, the deep dives yeah. Um, and, and you guys, you leave no stone unturned in your conversation. Uh, and, and I'm familiar with some of the mysteries you guys talk about Mothman. I really love the black eyed kids. Um, and when hearing your episodes, like you cover the things that I know and then some, but you always cover the things that I know about it, which is cool. Cause it's like, Oh, okay. So they're, they're way beyond me. Like I know that already going into it. So I think that's really fun. Well, yeah, and that's the pressure that we always feel when we're producing because we want to cover what everybody already thinks they know, and then we want to add to it. And but there's no way to know what the people already know. (laughs) Not to sound like Donald Rumsfeld, right? There's no way of knowing what we don't know. But But, that's it. But no, it's a it's a valid point, I think. And and there's so much stuff that we we've left out. And and yeah, we have to pick and choose now because we have so much information. Yeah. We we go through and we say okay we're going to put this in or not um, but because there are, are we have a group of researchers the astonishing research corps volunteers and they come up with so much stuff there's no way you could put it all into an episode yeah there's it's there are really interesting lines that they dig up that are directly related but you know you have to make that kind of a creative decision a lot of times it's it's for time we just we didn't have time to get to it we got to produce something every week you know or or at least three weeks on and and when, one week off. And there's also the phenomenon of uh, finding out something really interesting after you've already produced it. Like, oh, geez, if I'd known about that like a <laughs> week right. ago, we could have stuck that in. Yeah. But, but let me ask you guys, when it comes to doing a, a criminal case, uh, does that ever happen to you? Do you have to leave stuff out? Do you, do you find a, a tidbit? It's like, man, that's really fascinating, but maybe it's a lot of hearsay and, 
it's it's not substantiated enough to to really warrant this in if we're going to be respectful of this case does that ever happen it happens all the time um the the worst is when it, it the worst is when you thought you vetted something out and you you have a guest on or you talk about it in a factual way and then you find out that you, that you just overlooked an email or something or you just yeah. overlooked a document but you now know that oh man your voice is out there and that thing that you just said is resonating out there um, and there's a web sleuth out there for every inc- for every incorrect right. fact that we <laughs> mention. Uh, there there is a web sleuth out there waiting to uh, blow holes in it. Waiting yeah. to don't we know that? Yeah. yeah, we got those two. <laughs> right. We got those two fact just... checkers. We call them fact checkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're I but... guess we're fortunate in that the R's are it's harder to pin down the mistake because we're talking about things like the Mothman or you know the black shadow in the corner of your bedroom. But it's still uh, it definitely happens. It's hard not to make mistakes when you go when you do deep dives. Yeah. Right, and it's hard to um, just to elaborate a little bit on that when you have uh, something that is uh, a cold case, something that actually happened. It, it's it gets difficult sometimes to make the separation that you're not talking about um, a legend or or, or, or a, folklore, or folklore, or right. something that is gone gone on through the annals of time, and you know you can now now have your your own freedom of storytelling with it. This is these are facts that we now know that law enforcement looks at, and we have to be careful on that end too. We have to make sure that the community is well informed, and we also have to make sure we either do or don't put out information the law enforcement sure. right, may or may not want. But we love to correct correct our mistakes. So if we make a mistake in episode fifty four, we'll probably talk about it in episode fifty five yeah, in the we intro, do that too. as you guys do. Yeah, yeah, which I really love. Yeah. I think that's what was really l- so listenable. To when 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 I'm listening to your podcast, and I think I sent uh, the email saying that you're the first podcast other than ours that um, I listen to, and I'm in the shower. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mostly because mostly because Tim's in there, and he's just telling me about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's cutting room floor stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but no, when the when 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 I first heard you guys start talking. And then I read a review saying that you're like the click and clack of the pot of the uh, paranormal podcasting community. Before I heard that, I heard you guys talking and I thought this is what click and clack probably sounded like when they first started when, you know, because they were around for 40 years or yeah, something. Long, 30 years? long time. Yeah. I don't even know how long, but decades yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah, they were they were there before I was around and, you know, and they're still they're doing uh, reruns. Yeah. They're 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 do they call them reruns? Well, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, and and but they have a backlog of of hundreds and hundreds of episodes. But anyway, I I can only I I just imagine that that's what they sounded like when they were, uh, when they were younger, just starting out. Well, that's quite a compliment. We're and we're unfortunately we're not as young. We should have started this about ten years ago. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the medium didn't exist, but we're we're famous for that. uh, You know, launching kind of. projects that just aren't ready for the world yeah or the world's not ready for it so yeah. uh you, you know early on scott was really involved in this project um that basically was it was a for, kind of an early form of youtube that uh, but it was based on people uh sending in video clips of interesting things in their area and that would be shared on the internet and uh, you know, we had the technology at the time, you know, because I, I worked, again, in video post-production. So, you know, I had access to a video camera. I could edit the footage. Uh, you know, I was dubbing it off onto VHS and sending some stuff into Scott. So that was the early, early days. where VHS? The inter- yeah, exactly. Where the you know, internet was not so 
robust and there weren't all these services. Uh, and it was a little too soon because even when we had these video production backgrounds, it was uh, tedious for us to do it. So people weren't, yeah. they weren't taping things on their phone and sending them, them in like they can now. Yeah. So, but, but the idea was there is that let's all, you know, people around the world even can share videos uh, of fun things. Yeah. We shopped that sucker. We had business plan and everything. And, uh, but then, and then the dot com meltdown happened. And my joke was, well, we got through it without firing anybody or, or going out of business. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because we never got into business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> such a glass, glass half full guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to be. I mean, it was, uh, I, I honestly, we were so into it that uh, it was one of those things for me that it had to be tried or I would have spent the rest of my life wondering if we would have done YouTube. It's like in uh, it's like Jesse Eisenberg says in the social network uh, when he's Zuckerberg. He's like, well, if you'd have invented Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. Yeah. I didn't want to be that guy <laughs> that didn't invent YouTube. So I know that it, we could, didn't invent YouTube because it didn't work. We did try and it didn't work. It was, Instead yeah, it was, of yeah. me still sitting here and being like, God, we should have done that. <laughs> well, the man, it, you know. I mean, it's the basic idea, though, that, you know, again, took off on its own. So, you know, if you get back to talking about like like click and clack, what's at the what makes that work? Well, they're they're two brothers that really know their subject matter. They, they they know cars up and down all day long and they're brothers that rib each other in a good natured way. And that's what people love hearing about. So I've had so many people, you know, when we when we talk about that in years past, like. I don't know anything about cars, but I love listening to those guys. Yeah, uh, because they're so much fun. They have fun teasing each other. They're they're joking around. Uh, you know, people do call in with their with their automotive problems, which they really know about. So you're getting that, but you're really listening to them having a good time. So it, it's like with with you guys. It's like there's a good natured um, sensibility there. You're very you know you have a very serious topic because you know unfortunately it is about somebody who's missing. Uh, at least with your true crime uh, episodes, and and it's a criminal case, so there's a there's some uh, some seriousness there, missing or murdered. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, you know, but but uh, I, I think a lot of it is the rapport, and and so you, you guys have uh, you know you're really you're really making strides towards that of developing you know uh, it's it's people that you pe- want to tune in regardless of the case. So you know, yeah. so, so hats off to you for that. You know. Well, 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 thank you. That's thank you. Nice. Sure, sure. Now that now that we both mutually established <laughs> it, but we we both these both uh, these entities here have the uh, two of the best podcasts out there. Yeah, you can. <laughs> by the way, you can cut all of this. Just <laughs> <laughs> congrats to everyone. Yeah, congrats. The mutual so, admiration society is now in session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, okay, let let me ask a a question here about Mothman. Now, so you guys did did four or five episodes on Mothman, and I think it was at the end of episode three, or maybe it was two, um, but you brought up the real-life event of the Silver Bridge collapse. Yes. So the 46 people died in, in the Silver Bridge collapse. Yes. So how do you guys balance that, um, you know, which is a little bit more fun, kind of talking about legendary stuff, kind of a little bit lighter, and then this real tragic event uh, that, that this communities down in West Virginia and Ohio are still feeling today. Well, I, I think that did it. Uh, the story itself did that because people themselves at the time made that connection. It was a year to the day of what was generally regarded as the first sightings. Now that might, you know, differ, uh, you know, as you guys know, when you start really digging into a story, it's like, well, you know, it was, it, the the story that everybody goes to that ended up in the papers because uh, it was two sets of, of teenage kids in cars 
that got buzzed by some weird uh, flapping creature that kept up with them and chased them. And that, you know, they went to the police. They were totally scared. That got taken seriously. And, but a few days before that, there was a report of some construction workers, highway construction workers, I believe, in the area that saw something weird, some kind of brown flapping creature that shot straight up into the air. And that's a, a few days before. My point here is that it was pretty close to being exactly a year later that the bridge collapsed. So in people's natural thinking, it's like, are, are these connected? Was that an omen? Did this thing cause the tragedy? And so yeah, there wasn't, it unfolded that way naturally. And when you research that story in that case, there's not a whole lot of um, pushback that you read about or hear about from the local community of people saying, oh, this is a bunch of hogwash that has nothing to do with it. You don't hear that, which you do in some cases. You'd be like, oh, come on. And I'm sure there's residents of Point Pleasant that are like, please, the Mothman, whatever, the bridge fell down. You know, that that's definitely something that's happened. But with that particular one, you don't get a whole lot of pushback from people because I think everybody wonders if events were related. And also, as we pointed out in that series, uh, the Mothman, which, you know, the movie that they made based on that was all around the Mothman, but that was only really about a quarter or a fifth of all the weird stuff that was happening. But yeah. but with regard to the personal trauma and everything, it is hard. You know, I've been to Point Pleasant, and um, the the mark of that is, is definitely still felt on the town. It's a great tragedy, um, and I think that... Um, and just, I think I unintentionally quoted the movie there. Was uh, it? Was yeah, that? Then Indrid called goes great tragedy. Uh, on the, but, uh, <laughs> um, that's what my mind does sometimes. Accidental. It goes right to a movie quote. Yeah. Is, but, yeah. um, it, it's, it is horrible, you know, and it has, especially at Christmas, there was just so much strange stuff happening. And that one, honestly, in terms of a, a, a human toll, that's probably one of the worst stories we've ever told. That besides possibly the Henry Plummer, which was an old West situation where there was vigilantes killing each other for years. Um, but in terms of that kind of stuff, well, yeah, lot, it, most of, of our stories don't involve something that uh, that grim. And honestly, I would ask right. you guys, I don't know how I, I couldn't do true crime because I um, just with your most recent seller uh, series. Uh, he had a TV show. It was about the Isle of Wight crime. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Randy Patrick. Randy Patrick. Uh, just that crime's just uh, so horrific, um, and it's fascinating to listen to. But if I was producing it regularly, like you guys are, uh, I would I would need at least uh, one therapist. Maybe. maybe <laughs> well, <two>. it gets <laughs> it, it, you know it gets into pretty dark territory. I think the way that we approach it always, uh, and that's partly due to just our personal natures, is that we we come at it very respectfully. Yeah. Uh, and so what you do too. Yeah. So. Well, I mean with, yeah, because people aren't going to open up to you if they think you're just going to goof on them and, you know, and, and you'll, and I've heard this before in other, uh, true po- true crime podcasts where, you know, initially everybody who approaches, uh, you know, who gets approached to be interviewed are like, well, I don't want to talk to you. I don't know what you're about. What's your angle? Are you trying to sensationalize this? You know, this happened to a family member. And so yep. they're a little reticent to go on and talk about the details anyway. But what you'll find is I think if they seem that you're you're respectful about it and and can do something or want to help and, and share the story, then they open up. So when Scott talks about, you know, um, the pushback from anybody, especially who live around the, uh, the towns of uh, Gallup, Gallup Police uh, or Point Pleasant, 
the fact that we're not getting on there and doing well, I don't want you know other other big shows do that uh, where you know especially if there's a few comics on there. Yeah, we have shows we have guests that we try to get on the sh- our show that won't come on because they've been lambasted on other shows. Uh, and uh, in fact, we had one specifically that we're having on this year because he he wouldn't come on the show. Then he heard one of our series and uh, was like, "Oh, you guys have." You guys really covered it well. You've been very respectful, whatever. And now we're the only show that he'll agree to go on anymore, and he gets called weekly. So wow. that that it pays to be respectful, which I'm sure you guys learned the same thing because you're connected with and and our mutual friend uh, Jordan uh, over yes. at nighttime. He's it's the same thing. You've got to foster those relationships and and have people respect you. Yeah, I I, I yeah. think even they don't expect you to believe them so much because they know a lot of these stories are so outrageously crazy with their details that, that you know a lot of times they don't believe what happened to themselves either it's just they're trying to grapple with it and sometimes they want to talk about it with somebody and, and share the story and they don't mind uh it's so when when you have them on it's like basically the respect is let them tell their story don't paint them as wackos don't interject things uh you may have your own opinions about you know what they're telling you but i think to let them tell the story and then uh you know, again, don't characterize them as something or, or, you know, like, well, that's, that's pretty wild, you know, wacky. I don't know mm-hmm. what he was on. I don't know what he was smoking. That's what they don't want to hear because right. imagine yourself. That's why people don't, you know, I've always said this before. It's every, probably every other person, you know, every third person, you know, has some weird paranormal story, something weird that happened to them. And you may never hear about it because they don't tell you because they're afraid that you're going to think they're crazy. There's a high percentage of people that have stories that never tell anyone. Yeah. Until they wait until they're – in fact, this brings me to my next point. We're not letting you guys talk at all, by the way. So, <laughs> That's especially point number Forrest, three. Because yeah. he can't even see you. So if you want to talk, just raise your hand there, and I'll get – I'll do my hand signal to him. There and, you go. You know. All right. Um, what I was going to say is um, the uh, – we talked a little bit about the curse of the man – the curse of the man who sees UFOs, which you guys had mentioned. Um, and yeah. – can, can Yeah. I just want to – I just want to on, on an aside – um, Tim and I had a good laugh about that this morning because I, I said, I literally just wanted to ask them if they saw the movie. <laughs> and, and, and then it was like, oh, well, we'll watch it tonight and we'll research it. We'll totally vet it and we'll be ready to talk about it tomorrow. Like, no, I just, I just really was curious. And, and I'm on the that. emails and I'm like, I, I have not seen that movie and I cannot watch it tonight. I'm pretty sure if I had said, hey, have you guys seen the Godfather trilogy and you had it? Yeah. You'd be like, nope, but we will take care of it tonight. We'll be ready to talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Where this is a, technically a dark week for us, you know, because we can only do so many in a row, and then we have weeks that are just—it's like all admin work and prepping mm-hmm. for something. And so, on a dark week, it's still like a fifty-hour-plus week of work, but we feel like we've gone to Tahiti. So it's like, hey, we have to watch a movie about UFOs. It's unrelated to anything we're doing right now. It's yeah. like, okay. That was a fantastic <laughs> yeah. diversion last right night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I actually, you know that that's a good point because y- you guys talked about like the the weight of some of the topics that we cover and how we're able to deal with that. And really, it's it's by listening to shows like like yours, Astonishing Legends, oh, nice. and it kind of lets you clear your head and kind of enjoy a mystery because we clearly love mysteries. And it's enjoy enjoy this mystery and don't think about the real life aspects of the other stuff that we do. 
Right, sure. Right, yeah, and, and we and we really try to keep it light in the office and things like that. Right. You said you had a dark week uh, this week. We have dark weeks every week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well put. Well, they're, they're, yes, they are in Nova Scotia. <laughs> that was that, a horrible. No, they're joke. in uh, Massachusetts. Anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you guys Mass- located? Yeah, you're in Boston, right? Yeah, we're in uh, Massachusetts. We're currently uh, in Wormtown, about uh, 45 uh, miles from Boston. Okay, gotcha. Wormtown is its real name, it is? Really? No, it's is uh, that... Worcester, Mass. Oh, that's Worcester. <laughs> we'll let, Does everyone we'll call let... it Wormtown or just you guys? We're going to let your research team look up why it's uh, referred to as <laughs> Okay, Wormtown. very good. There's, okay. there's a history there. There could be that a giant worm once roamed the streets, but I'm oh, not saying that that's nice. Good. I like yeah. that. Or, that's yeah. good to know. Did yeah. we cu- I feel like I cut you off when you were about to talk about... Um, the curse of the man who sees UFOs. Oh no! I you know I just going to say for our audience members, either ours that are listening to this or yours, it's a it's a really fascinating uh, documentary. I I really enjoyed it. I thought the character at the center of it was really amazing. I wanted to go hang out with him. He seems, uh, as Forrest said, he's very punk and interesting. And I know you haven't seen it, uh, Tim, but it's uh, it was really because everyone also wanted us to watch the uh, the Stan Romanek or Romanek, depending on how you want to say it. Uh, one which was uh, what's that one called extraordinary Ex- uh, extraordinary or yeah, something yeah, like that right. and and that one the guy was having sightings but then it just became clear he sort of devolved into making things up um, well, it, and yeah <laughs> I, and i wound up really really not liking him by the end but this guy that's in the curse i thought he was really entertaining and interesting and I think he was definitely had some confirmation bias about whatever he saw, but it did also seem like a good percentage of what he was seeing was remarkably unexplainable. Well, and I thought yeah. it was really entertaining, and it was well made too. Right. Well, actually, uh, with both of those documentaries, uh, extraordinary, the Stan Romanek story, and uh, the Curse of the Man Who Sees UFOs, it's really about the person seeing them. It's not so much about UFOs. I mean, there's certainly tons of documentaries where they explore cases of just what are we seeing, what are these craft. Um, but really, in cases like this, what's fascinating is the person at the center of it, because, you know, whether you believe Stan, or, you know, or you believe, um, uh, I'm trying to, oh, geez, uh, hold on. Christo? Uh, Christo. Christos, yes. yes. Christo. So, or if you believe Christos. Uh, Just Christo. Are you sure? I don't think there's an S on the end. I think it's Christo, because oh, I was sorry, yes, like yes, the artist. Uh, right, Christo yeah. Uh, Ropolo. Yeah. Ropolo. Ropolo. Uh, it's, it's about the kind of person that, either is or claims to be plagued by these things all their life and that kind of has defined them and how does that affect you what kind of you know what kind of person and comes forward with this and i think it, what you see is that even if you don't believe either either of them they believe it so much that at, they're at the point where they have stopped caring so much about what other people think and so that's kind of an extraordinary turn you know on a personality where it's like you know what uh, i know I, I i sound crazy to everybody but it's something I can't deny anymore. And so go ahead and shoot, you know, go ahead and film me. Right. Yeah. And it goes, uh, it goes back to what you were saying when you approach um, an individual and you want to make sure that they know that you're not ridiculing them. Right. And that Christo from uh, The Curse, um, it didn't matter that it, like you said, it didn't matter that it was UFOs. It could have been Bigfoot. It could have been Mothman. It could have been the fact that he likes to, you know whatever okay uh, that he yeah. likes he like that is what defined him so much and then once you start finding out about him and you start feeling for him it would watch it watch the movie a second time and it's going to give you a whole like you'll start okay. seeing all these well things. i'll watch oh, the movie yeah. the first time first okay. <laughs> start, start there. the movie we weren't going to talk yeah, about yeah yeah 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, my question is, um, you guys raise an interesting point, and and I and I heard it kind of referenced in in one of your Black Eyed Kids episodes. Is it the person? who sees the UFO or is it the UFO who sees the person like uh, and, and in, in the black eyed kids episodes, you said it's a lot. It's people who are aware of the black eyed kids potentially or um, will get the knock at their door. Well, yeah. uh, so, well, well, to clarify, you don't have to be, okay. you don't have to have known about them for it to happen. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a but, little but, bit but the occasionally... folkloric part, but yeah. Well, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, but it but has it, worked wait, that way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It has worked that way. Uh, yeah, if you're actually if you're asking about, uh, you know, of course, uh, if we said that just to make it spookier, what I was like, once you know about them, they're going to show up. Yeah. So, well, you know, that's not an <laughs> axiom. That doesn't mean they're always now going to show up. This is these things are very rare. First of all, uh, it's, all it's paranormal a, events are yeah, rare, it's, rarer it's, than you think. Even Skinwalker Ranch, which was like a hotbed of activity, they said it themselves in the book. You can sit out there for five months and nothing happens. Right, and and so it's that weird. Uh, paradox where it it is extremely rare for these things to happen you know when people write us and it's like um now i'm freaked out it's like don't i wouldn't worry about it it's it's extremely you know you'll get hit by a meteor or win the lottery before anything like that happens to you most likely but uh on the other hand these things do happen with enough frequency that i think they should be paid attention to so you know when when you talk about um whether that that uh, you know the phenomenon is drawn to you once you know about it uh most people i think are caught unawares of it and you know certainly we scott case in point scott and i have always been interested in this i think from an early age and really nothing extraordinary has happened to either of us yeah uh little small strange things that are just make you cock your head to the side like what was that but nothing that is a story, certainly. So, uh, you know, and people, uh, we've had some comments about, um, you know, demonic possession of like, you know, uh, fairly recently where, you know, people were saying, like, well, you know, because they're Catholic, you know, they're really into that. So they kind of brought that on, you know, or, or they're really into it. And, and really, it's only Catholic people that's, that, you know, get possessed. And it's only religious people that see ghosts because they believe in, a, in an afterlife. And it's like, well, no, that's, I know that's logically what, what, you know, a place you get led to, but it's not the people, you know, atheists and believers alike uh, experience. Um, well, especially stories. in the case of the medical explanations for some of them, like, um, now I can't remember the name of it, but the woman that wrote brain on fire, the medical oh, condition, yes. yeah. they doesn't matter what religion you are, that can happen to you. And you're going to appear possessed to, to your family. Additionally, we have had guests on our show that will tell you and do believe firmly that people create their own reality. And so there's, there is something to your question there, Tim, about that. That's interesting for me. And I know that you haven't seen it, but in curse of the man who sees UFOs, one of the most amazing moments in it is this short little shot. It's like, five, 10 seconds, they go away from it. They don't talk about it in great depth, but he goes out on his front yard and he sets his camera up with an infrared lens on it in broad daylight. And he's like, they're out here all the time. We're just not on the right spectrum. And sure enough, you look through and there's this huge slow moving sphere moving across the sky in infrared in the daytime. Now, 
okay, I'm not there. I don't know if it's a lens flare, maybe it's a reflection off a jet that's somewhere else or whatever. But I was, I was like, oh yeah, that this plays into the idea that this stuff is all around you. You just don't know how to see it. Right. Well, the key, yeah, and, and I'll just interject here a little bit. The, the interesting thing about this documentary and this person, uh, Christo, to begin with, is that it's the frequency of it. If you hang out with him for a day or two, he'll produce this weird phenomenon for you to see. Yeah. Uh, because his neighbors have seen it. And and you'll see that throughout the documentary. It's like, uh, you know, even the guy, uh, uh, I was going to say, oh, Justin Gar, who actually shot the documentary about Christo, you know, is, is shown something that he can't explain. He said, I don't know what it is. But I'll say it's not a plane, which is <laughs> the name of his production company. It's not a Copyright, plane. Yeah, Copyright yeah. 2016, yeah. <laughs> not a plane. You know, it's... Yeah, there's a, there's a scene at the end that looks like the beginning of the closing scene to Close Encounters with lots of little things dancing around. In formation, uh, yeah. uh, separating, changing, changing patterns. Right, it, yeah. and, and that is that shot in, in Close Encounters where they all come together yeah. and then fly off. That's kind of happening. However, it's also easy to do in After Effects. But I don't think well, that's what Chris well, that's doing. what I'm saying. Oh, they're trying to talk. Yeah. The, the, he can't see you. He has no idea. Okay. Every time I see yeah. their body language and they're like, uh, and they're just like <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to wrap up the point here. Okay. Uh, is that, Please do. Yeah. Is that, uh, it, it happens with such frequency around this guy. Yeah. And, and there's something significant about that. And and it's not dramatic. These are points of light that change color. They're They're oddly shaped. But it's not the saucer kind of whizzing by with with round portals and and uh, you know large headed guys waving at you. It's nothing that dramatic, but there's something to it. And and so many other people have have seen it that as you'll see in the documentary that you know is I think to your question is like uh, because oh like Rich Haddam we were talking about is it just a psychic thing that's happening with this person and other people can't experience it? Well, I think there's so many there's a myriad of things going on. It's never one thing or the other. You can't pinpoint it. It might be something that every person on this planet has a different uh, experience and uh, connection to this weird phenomenon. So you have to be careful with how many questions you ask us because you're going to get 20 minutes on each one. So yeah, well, no, we don't want to look at your list yeah. and just... <laughs> <It's>, st- <laughs> It's all good. Okay. Um, actually, when you said, and I'm going to do my best to phrase this and, and maybe wrangle this into another topic that we wanted to touch upon, uh-huh. when you said the frequency of, I thought you were going to say the frequency of him oh. and not the frequency in terms of like duration or, or yeah. amount of. Oh, that's part um, of it too. Yeah. I can't, I mean, that is part be. of it too, yeah. right? Like Their vibration, you're no, saying, no, an no. individual's vibration? Like, yeah. like Or the, the frequency that... After a while, the filmmaker starts going, you know, this guy actually might have something legit. His neighbors are like, no, I might have seen something. I'm thinking more of the power of influence, which goes to um, some of the stuff in, in, I think, in, uh, well, everything in your stories are connected. But uh, Mothman and Skinwalker, where uh, the, the spaceship looks like something that you see in your kitchen because you're familiar with appliances. The yeah. spaceship kind of looks oh, like yeah. an egg beater or something. It shows you what you understand. Or what it thinks you will understand. It's going to your frequency. Yeah. It's going, it, it, it has to try to meet your frequency. That's where I thought you were going with that. I, I, and that's something I would love to hear your thoughts on, our interpretation of what we see and how we see it and when we see it. Yeah, let me add on to that real quick because... Because uh, <laughs> we need, we need we... to fill another 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in the, uh, in the Black Eyed Kids uh, stories and in the episodes that you guys produced, 
a lot of people who tell their stories aren't sure whether or not the kids are actually talking to them or not. Yeah. Or if it's a telepathy conversation and they're reading their minds and it's going back and forth and no words are being spoken. So I hopefully that adds same on thing. to your... Okay, Absolutely. Okay. Same thing with um, Indrid Cold and, and Alien. Oh, yeah. Like, we're going to get into Indrid. I and his wait. wife, Ingrid. <laughs> And, and, yeah, Indrid and Ingrid Cold. Well, so, great well, couple. Right. She makes great casseroles. <laughs> they're, they're, no one's really sure. Yeah, that as far as that name, it goes back and forth on that. Mostly yeah. people settle on uh, Indrid. Uh, but I, to your question, I think, there. It, again, it's no one thing. It's It, it could be uh, a thousand different things because we always say, you know, you you don't see with your eyes, you see with your brain. Your eyes take in the light. Your brain has to interpret it. And, you know, I think we were talking about Woody Derenberger, uh, who, you know, he's the one who saw that weird... He saw Indrid. Yeah, he, right. Yeah. He saw him on the road, but yeah. he's, they're flying in this giant, weird, old tin can lantern yeah. with a squeaky door. Is is that really... Because the two points I'm going to make here is that, is that what they're projecting onto Woody? Because they think, like, well, he'll, he'll get this. It's not going to freak him out. So, you know, he, he ends up catatonic. He'll understand this shape. Or is that what Woody's brain is interpreting? Because the real shape of it is this amorphous glowing blob that they're actually flying around in but woody's never seen anything like that and it, it, he can't handle it his brain's overloading so is that his brain saying like, okay we're gonna go with a lantern well because we know what that you, is. i mean this is all speculative of course but then when you start getting into the idea of interdimensional beings and ultra terrestrials and john keel and all that kind of stuff and you think about uh the black-eyed kids or any of the stories that we've told in terms of everything being connected when what you're looking at is a long distance call from another dimension you know it's and it, and the technology is is not quite right or you're saying all the rules are out the window yeah so yeah. it's just like this is what you need to see right now and uh i think in a way that's i mean that's a totally hypothetical conjecture but it fits when you think about it it fits to nearly every story we've told in almost 100 episodes now it kind of reminds me of um I don't know who the original artist was that did this, but there's a, a piece of um, artwork, I guess, out there that is the Stephen King universe, and it's all of... Um, have you seen this? No, no. Oh, Google this. The okay. Stephen King universe, and it's all his characters, all his stories, and lines that go from each character to each story and town and um, and monster, and how they're all connected somehow. Yeah. And when, as I'm listening to your show, I'm thinking about, you know, this universe... Oh and yeah, it, sure. I see it. it. I see yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. you start saying, "Well, oh, he was the sheriff at this time, and but you know, his his daughter went to school with this person from so this the, book." So that then becomes the question: Is did did King does King have a chart of his own that he so he would make sure that they didn't <laughs> run into problems like Star Wars, where you know people are making out with their sister or whatever? I feel like he's. He's working on that chart in like the edit. I don't think he's thinking about it consciously right up front. I think he's trying to figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out before the book's published. And he's probably thinking like, well, fuck it if, <laughs> if someone's making out with their sister in my book. Yeah. <laughs> probably not the <laughs> worst thing that happened in my book. <laughs> there so, are worse well, things. Yeah. Somebody's going to pay yeah. for it. That's the, you know, Stephen, people are punished. Yeah. And, exactly. uh, you know, in most of his, you know, it's he writes kind of what you know or what he knows, and he knows New England. That's what he, you know, it's Maine. So he's he's always going to have that kind of feel of a haunted small town. Uh, you know, you see these same theme, themes running through where it's a, you know, the ship of fools scenario and, and people, you know, the the worst thing is not the creature. It's the people behaving, how the people behave towards each, each other in a crisis in a, you know, when presented with something strange. 
So, you know, I, I mean, getting back to that idea of like, what's, what's really going on? How is this all connected? I, again, I, it, that's the one thing about the, um, the documentary uh, curse is that you, these don't, again, these don't look like the, you know, the, the Tic Tac UFO that we just talked about in one of our recent episodes that just came out in the New York times. That was, uh, our episode didn't splash. come out in the New York times. No, no, the, no, the story, the, the story the New York times. yeah, the story of the, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, this fighter pilot, uh, David yet. Fravor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a Navy, uh, jet pilot who'd seen something very strange and it was recorded and, uh, he comes out with a story and he's, he's a very credible witness but that's real solid craft. The things that uh, uh, you know, Christo is seeing is like they're. I think mostly... it's just Christo. Christo. Yeah, yeah. he's an American. Christo. I don't well, think. He, he's from Christo. he's from Ohio, but yeah. he's. <laughs> Uh, what, what, you know, oh, yeah, you grew up watching uh, Goulardi. Yes, yeah, know, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but no, the the thing is that uh, what's he's what he's seeing is in my mind is like, yeah, he's getting it. I believe he's actually getting something on video. But it's not what I would think of as typical UFOs. It's some kind of other strange aerial. I mean, maybe they are craft. Who knows? But it's a pheno- it's more phenomenon than they are, like, in my mind, is flying ships. So, yeah, obviously you can record stuff on video, and everybody has seen that. And, and the people, you know, his neighbors, and, and uh, that's the another interesting thing about the documentary is that he goes up to people on a pier in Monterey, it's like, hey, you see that thing, that light bobbing up and down? Like, yeah, yeah, what is, we don't know what that is. Like, you see that, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, but they don't care. That's that's the thing. Well, Coming back to your question, Tim, it's like all these people are, that's a really good example of, like, they're there, they see it, uh, but they're, you know, kind of on a first date, romantic, sitting at the wall. You don't want to think about it. beach. You're yeah, like, oh, right. yeah, that is weird. Then they walk away, they don't talk about it. Like, if everyone was as aware as the subject of the documentary, it'd be a different world. Okay, uh, so that, that just fast tracks us right to a very important question. I think, what, what the hell is it then? What are we, what are we talking about? What, it, what are, are, are UFOs? They're actually. Would you guys believe they're extra, extraterrestrial or interdimensional beings um, from from some other dimension that maybe here, uh, as we speak right now, and and we can't see them because they're in the seventh dimension and we're, and we're only dealing with a few we're, here. We're just not advanced enough to see them. Right. Which so, I like, I like that. I like that idea. I don't yeah. like thinking that they can see us. I mean, it, it's <laughs> kind of, them, yeah. it's kind of blasphemy as true crime people to say, Hey, we believe in UFOs or we believe in ghosts. Um, no, yeah. no, no, I'm going to, this might be, you might be witnessing a rare disagreement here. <laughs> I'm going to say being in the true crime uh, genre, believing in UFOs. I mean, you have to believe in something that's scientific and mathematical. And if UFOs are anything, you can they are scientific and mathematical. Well, yeah, I guess we should clarify UFO because unidentified flying object could mean an airplane that someone sees and doesn't know is an airplane. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're we're talking about something from somewhere besides Earth or or some other dimension that is here that we're not uh consciously or just perceive aware under, of under yeah. the water. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, well I I well one thing that I've always thought was for the paranormal world that is directly connected and influences true crime is the psychic connection, which we see this all the time with people who uh, they had a vision of a, of a crime happening. Uh, it, it, it be, you know, or, or some disaster as well. You know, so many people had premonitions of, of nine 11 happening, just weird gut feelings. They didn't get on a plane. This happens all the time. With yeah. crime, it's like I saw a flash of, of somebody in trouble or, uh, 
you know, I mean, just listen, you know, we, we comment on Jim Harold's podcast all the time. The Campfire uh, series is all people calling in with their strange experiences. And you hear that all the time. It's like, you know, one of the most striking ones is, you know, my my great aunt uh, saw this uh, figure pop up in the window, uh, you know, and we both saw it. And it looked like this white head and, and people. Think, well, that's an alien, you know, with black eye sockets. And it, this still creeps me out. It's it's uh she saw it, and what happened is that a few days later, she was murdered, but never fa- not found for quite a while. And what the guy telling the story about, I don't, it wasn't his great aunt, it was uh, the regular aunt, you know, it, that he was close to, is that her decomposed body looked exactly like what she described. Stop seeing. it. And, and weird stuff, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's weird stuff happens all the time. But anyway, that I would say that's more connected. If you're talking about... Uh, UFOs and craft, and what is it? And that's the big question. I think it's it, it's a thousand different things that are you know what I'm saying it's it's unlimited. It's not just one craft that everyone's seeing, made by a you know space tech from the planet from a different planet, and they're all sending them here. I I think maybe that's one explanation out of a hundred. I didn't say stop it in a way where I didn't believe it. I said stop it because that sort of terrified me. No, I, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That story is really scary. Jim, uh, Jim Harold, you know, he has a podcast called Campfire. He has a lot of podcasts, but his Campfire <laughs> one that does uh, kind of ghost stories is a really, a really good show. And there's a lot of creepy stuff on there, by the way. To be clear, I, I don't think it's blasphemy, Lance, for for us to say we believe in in uh, extraterrestrials or ghosts or something like that. Clearly, we actually said we believed in ghosts on uh, one of our episodes in October, and we didn't get any shit for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, isn't that weird? We probably would get more <laughs> shit if we said that we believed in extraterrestrials. Oh, uh, you're probably going to get it for bet. this episode. I'm going <laughs> to <Yeah, laughs> probably, but I, I guess w- what I'm what I'm saying is yes, like we're we're trying to use some scientific method to dismiss certain things right and that's what we do in our podcast sure if there's an angle like a theory or something and then we kind of we'll talk it out ad nauseum and eventually we'll dismiss some of these things and we, i think i know i am i and i think it seems like lance is approaching this interview with you guys too we're not trying to dismiss these things that you're talking about we're we're trying to learn more because I, the way that you guys produce your episodes we can't dismiss them right i i cannot i cannot sit here and say extraterrestrials are fake or black eyed kids don't exist or the Mothman didn't happen. How disrespectful would that be if I said that? Well, there's a lot of people that say it. (laughs) (laughs) Like a lot of people will separate true crime and kind of paranormal or fun, like uh, legend stuff, like what you guys cover. Um, But what we're saying is there's mutual overlap here. Well, anytime you're dealing with uh, death, especially a violent or sudden death or or some other kind of life-threatening situation, you are close to uh, what Force and I refer to as the thin place. You're on the edge of the veil of what we do and don't know, and there's mm-hmm. a, more going on there than just fingerprints and evidence. Well, yeah, did you I mean, just say, wait, did you just say the thin place? You guys call the, the thin place? Yeah, well, it's not just us. That's, well, that's, like, well, we yeah, didn't that's an old Scottish that. term, yeah, the, the, yeah. the, uh, the yeah. thin place, that's I believe. That's a great term. Yeah, yeah. because it's yeah. that, uh, you know, and, and you talk about, uh, uh, you know, I mean, this is since ancient, uh, ancient times, certain times of the year, Halloween, it's the thin right. place at, at the thin time when the, death is, the is veil close. Yes. Yeah, and, and so you're more likely to see weird stuff at the, uh, you know, at the solstice, whatever it is. But to your point about, um, you know, what the goal is or how you feel about, you know, when you listen to the podcast, that's all we ever wanted. We're not trying to, uh, 
we're not trying to press upon you any one theory that we may have uncovered. We're going to tell you what we think, but you're allowed to believe whatever. We just want to present like just the different stories. You can take away from it whatever you want. But you'll find that, you know, if we do get some complaints on it, that people are like, well, that's you got, that's crazy. This doesn't make any sense. That's that's BS. It's like, well, yeah, you're allowed to, to think that. Um, but because where they get so riled up is that it's all personal. It, it all comes down to personal belief. And you'll find that, you, you know, I'm sure in your stories where... Uh, or refusal to believe. Or, yeah. And, and oh, out of fear a lot of times. Right. That's where and, that comes and, from. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, look, we're not trying to tell you that, even though you, you may you may get that feeling... But it's it's also it, it ties in with true crime. I remember uh, case in point: a, a car smashed into some car out on out in front of my apartment, and uh, middle of the night, you know, you run out there. The guys, I, I believe he was drunk, and he peels away, and I and I I got a glimpse out the window. You know, I was trying to wake up, and it's like okay, it looks like a white car, uh, maybe a Japanese brand, and and then in the morning, as people were gathered out there, all you know, people are coming out of their apartments. And I just remember this one guy, it's just like, uh, no, nah, it's, that's my roommate. That's, is, is it? It's like, yeah, he, you know, you know, what kind of car was it? Like, oh, he drives a red Thunderbird. It's like, well, no, nah, it wasn't a, I saw it. It wasn't a red Thunderbird. It's like, no, nah, it is. No, nah, it was a, th- that's him. He's a jerk. And it's like, okay, well, wow. uh, <laughs> how do you know that? It's like, yeah, he's just real flake. You know, I mean, he's, he's a friend of a friend and he's, he owes us some rent and, and the, yeah, I'll bet it's that red Thunderbird. He was so convinced. And even though I'm telling him like, no, dude, it wasn't. I, I got a, I didn't get a look at the license plate, but I, I peeked out the window and I, I it's definitely a white car. That guy does sound like a jerk though. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you gotta pay the rent. The guy you know? in the red Thunderbird? Yeah. 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 You gotta pay yeah, the rent. That it's like guy. a prerequisite uh, to have a Thunderbird. I cannot stand that guy. But th- that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was a, a cemented belief based on his experiences. Like, I don't like this guy or I, I believe that he's this way. It's gotta be him. So that happens, I'm sure, with witnesses, you know, and yes, that's why eyewitness testimony is, is often faulty. But the point I make about tying this to the paranormal is that. There was a, you may disagree on the color of the car. There was a car there. And it's like, well, did this thing have bat wings and fangs and glowing red (laughs) eyes? Like, no, but it, it, you know, uh, this person says yes. This other person says no. They were kind of like butterfly wings. Whatever it was, was there and it shot straight up into the sky. And now, you know, 10 people can all disagree about what it looked like, but (laughs) it did something weird. Something weird was seen. Something out of the ordinary was seen. And whether people agree on, on the details of that. Uh, you know, people will, will doesn't mean that. that nothing was there. If exactly. There's a disagreement. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that point of, of taking it, um, it and not believing it, it's like, well, um, you're allowed to believe whatever you want. We're not, we're not telling you that. And it's in the same thing with a, with a case, people have all kinds of theories. As you say, fact checkers, I'm sure will come up and they, they've been studying it for a few years as an armchair detective and they have a theory and they're going with it. Well, we, we find the same things as well. People have, uh, you know, uh, it could be the Mary Celeste. Like, no, no, I've been reading about this. I've read all the books. I've, I've studied the inventory charts. It's a crack. One of the few, <laughs> we almost, we have a Facebook group and it, it's, um, and it's gotten fairly, fairly big at this point, I guess. And then we've not really ever had to lock anybody out of there. A few people have gotten angry and quit. And when I say a few, I mean like two or three. We've blocked like two, I think, since we started it uh, almost a year ago. I'm not even yeah, sure. Or maybe yeah. eight months. I'm not sure. One two, of the people. 200. Do what? 200. 200. How, 200 what? Oh, oh, just two people. Oh, oh two. <laughs> two people just have, two. have okay. been kicked out. It's, it's running around, I think, 10,000 people now or maybe 12 I'm not sure but like that that's what I'm saying it's a low percentage of trolls and but the one of the people that we had to block 
was a very polite woman who completely deteriorated about something we said about the Mary Celeste and a bottle of ink on a table. It was a bottle of the vial of of oil. Yeah, the vial of oil on the table. And she was so angry about the fact that we said it was knocked over or it wasn't knocked over or something like that. But the evidence that we took came directly from a magistrate who boarded the ship when it was brought in for salvage and wrote down everything he was seeing as he saw it. Guys, you need to get your, your sources <laughs> yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it Vet was, your sources a little bit Yeah, more. and she got so mad, we had to close her out of there. And I was just like, I felt bad because I kind of, you know, but she was just, she was like really reading us the riot act and telling us how wrong we were about some other things like the type of vessel, which we also yeah. knew. I mean, I used to sail. I like, I know what a boat looks like, the difference between, <laughs> right. it was just, anyway. But, uh, so, but that's, yeah, people he, who get, uh, um, you know. He's not going to let you talk. Yeah, no, I'm not. If, he's, if, no, I'm not. So I, no, no, no. Talk right I can't now. see that. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to roll over. <laughs> I can't see anything. I don't know what's going on. Uh, uh, no, wait, he, no, he's can, still trying to talk. No. Let, let, okay. Let's All right. Go ahead. Please. Go ahead. See, we this should have had great. him on camera. No, too. I was just going to extend the invite if you if you guys wanted to um, uh, admin some of our social media. Oh no, maybe, no, no, no. Oh, okay, <laughs> no, no, I no. quit. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know if you wanted more than two. As a, yeah. as a friend of mine, a good friend of my wife said when he was much younger, he worked at a Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they had a big meeting in the morning. And the manager came out and said, uh, "All right, so we're going to have a salad bar." And he raised his hand and he said, David. And, and my friend David goes, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be chopping tomatoes. Now, yeah, now, now, now Forrest can talk. Oh, yeah. Now Forrest, go ahead and talk. Well, the, the, uh, oh, it depends on the case, too. And I'm sure you guys, as you go through your, uh, your true crime genre, there are some cases that, for whatever reason, have really captured the, the public's imagination. And we find cases like that. Tom and Should. Uh, the Summerton man, there's a few people that, like, I mean, they've spent years on this, personally, not getting paid, just as a hobby. Oh, my God. Combing through Australia. so much stuff. I forgot. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, there's I'm another guy. I'm supposed to send to Australia. Oh, there, the, oh there you go. Yeah, well, yeah. put that on the list. Uh, it's these case, that, Well, that's a, the thing, too, is that these cases still follow you. Uh, if there's little updates or things, and, and, of course, people write in, I'm sure you'll find that with open cases that are cold. People will, uh, and that's the exciting part for you guys. Somebody writes in, like, hey, did you hear about this little piece of evidence that was overlooked? You know, they yeah. what they're hoping for. So uh, what we find is, uh, you know, there was a guy that uh, he was he was I won't say jerky, but um, he, he was definitely trying to push buttons. And he said, like, wait, well, you know, the cigarette was on the other side of the lapel. Like, what? OK, what is that? It's, that's not widely reported. I don't know where you got that. Does that matter? Does it solve the case? No, but thanks. You know, but they it's like I have to I have to tell you about this. I, I have this little piece of information. I must share this. You guys are wrong. I must let you know about this. And so we, we find that uh, with a lot of the cases. Uh, and that's we'll fine. Cover. And we'll yeah. take that heat as long as you're respectful and polite to us and not dismissive and of us, of our guests. Uh, sorry. Right. What, Lance? Or download. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> thanks for the download. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks for the... But, oh, qu- sorry. No, quickly before we're on that, I want to ask you, have you guys had any... Uh, the cases you've covered, anything that really shocked you? I know you you were kind of talking about that earlier, but something that somebody brought today, up every oh, just, week, every week, <laughs> yeah. every week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just yesterday, just yesterday, time. we were talking to um, retired FBI agent uh, Bobby Chacon. He's he's big on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah, he loves the way Tim cooks his blue apron. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he within a, within like what two sentences he was making a point about one thing. Gives an example 
of this woman, and that was very disturbing. And then it finishes his point with something that was very disturbing. Yeah. And Tim and I are just like shaking our heads, like oh, Jesus, we yeah. don't know what to follow up on. Yeah, yeah it was very good. It, that, but 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 as far as like like new case information on Maura Murray, like right. he, he didn't necessarily provide that. That probably doesn't happen oh. every week. Right. Yes. Um, just putting that out there. I did not mean <laughs> new case information. <laughs> right. 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 Maybe every month at this point, uh, on 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 that case, there's something new, and a lot of that stuff we we can't even broadcast actually. Yeah. Um, but we we cover the Brianna Maitland case too, and and on Crawl Space, and that case, I would say the the epiphanies are a little more frequent at this at this point. Right. Right. Um, which and that is every week, I would say. Um, now before. I ask a question about the curse of the man who sees UFOs and then walk out of the studio. <laughs> yeah. um, the topic that we, the topic that yeah. we weren't even. You guys can go to lunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like in Spinal just... Tap did a special once where the, during the drum solo, um, one of them goes out and gets a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I just want to w- ask a question about Indrid Cold. So, the Mothman mystery. began with this guy named Indrid who appeared uh, several times uh, to several different people, sort of took a different form, even even potentially gave a different name. That character is is absolutely my favorite in all of supernatural lore, um, whatever you want to call it. I love that character. I love the story, and he terrifies the hell out of me, and I don't want to meet him. Um, (laughs) But my my question, I guess, is a little more detailed. So he showed up saying that he was a searcher and he was meeting humans, and, and we're assuming he might not be human. I don't know. Um, but he was this guy who had this otherworldly smile, like a smile pretty much bigger than, was described as potentially bigger than a human can really smile. He showed up saying he was a searcher. Yeah. And, and like, was he looking for the Mothman? That's something that we've talked about. That's as... a theory that was kind of fun that we we uh, enjoyed uh, uh, banding about uh, because okay. it's. But here's the thing that's interesting about this that whole case: they're not directly connected uh, with the creature. Indrid Cold it may or may not be directly connected to that creature that was flying around uh, with a with a giant red eyes. Uh, and they may not be connected to the disaster of the bridge. There's, you know, it, it's like a it's a flap of high strangeness, I think you could call it. Mm. Yeah, so I guess that maybe that's why I'm kind of gr- grouping them together um, because there was this co- high concentration of strangeness in this one area in this one year, basically. Um, Indrid Mothman shows up and then the Silver Bridge collapses. Is there any chance that Mothman was trying, not trying to scare humans, but actually trying to warn them about the Silver Bridge collapse? And Indrid was is sort of like a, inter, right, like an intergalactic bounty hunter who's trying to prevent him from warning humans. Oh, that's Wasn't definitely yeah. That's definitely well. The big you just hit on the I think the biggest uh, feeling or or uh, we would say like no, it's not even a theory. It's not even a uh, hypothesis, perhaps, but the feeling that people got when seeing this weird cryptic creature this cryptid creature you know it's that it's it wasn't trying so much to attack people it's just very awkward awkwardly trying to communicate something a great sadness people you know they get this gut feeling right. and and you know right. I, I get criticized and, and made fun of her for going to that but i always i always ask people who experience something weird like well how did you how did you feel it's like well um i was terrified like okay or i, I felt 
you know, it's a, it was a ghost th- happening, but I felt really comforted, like it was an old relative's, you know. And I think that has a lot to do with that because that goes beyond our limited communication skills verbally and even what we see, you know, that, that gut feeling that and it runs the gamut. So, yeah, you just hit upon, I think, the most um, thought of theory is that it's some kind of communication with this weird beast that was maybe trying to warn them a year in advance. Yeah, and I, th- right. I think with regard to Indrid and the idea of Indrid— um, you know, the weird thing about that is if you could say that, you know, Woody Derenberger was the one who was having the primary interactions with Indrid that continued with him coming out to his house, sometimes in a big black car, sometimes in a black Volkswagen bug, uh, sometimes reprimanding other strange beings. Well, whatever Avis had at the time. Yeah, yeah. ate his hat, stole <laughs> right. his shoes, whatever. His shoes came back the next day. Woody was like, that won't happen again. So he's like this cosmic cop. Uh, but then... Uh, you think, all right, well, Woody, maybe Woody's making this all up, but some of the details that uh, he shared with him were received by another person that didn't know Woody in another city. Uh, same kind of information came through, uh, and his the, it was a college uh, kid. Yeah, that's right, right. And his roommates saw the story of Woody on TV and were like, come in here, man, he's saying the exact same stuff you said. And it's like, okay— that and that's the stuff we always look for. Forrest calls it the button, you know. But I mean, everybody calls it the button. But it's like that's the thing where it's like, okay, well, this is all just this one guy, and he's alone when everything happens. But then it's like, oh wait, here's a dude in another state, and the, he's saying the exact same stuff. That's when you're just like, what is happening there? And that's 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 part of the, uh, you know, the big questions about Indrid and who he was. And again, as Forrest said, you you don't necessarily it's very speculative to draw a direct connection between the collapse of the bridge and everything else that was going on. Those two events, I mean, you know, everyone knows, or everyone knows, but the, the engineers will tell you that I-bar number 13 right. broke yeah. or whatever, and, and the bridge collapsed as a result. It was poor design. It wasn't, um, didn't have redundant strength capability, that sort of thing. Uh, whether or not there's psychic energy around all of those deaths and the impending deaths, and we don't really understand what time is, but if, if we understood time better, maybe we would know that that thing was coming and it attracted the Mothman or whatever else was going on there. But it, again, it wasn't just the Mothman. It was the Mothman. It was UFOs. It was strange you know, strange dwarves that went into the newspaper office. It was like all kinds oh, of... Oh, the, the flying bat creature that tried to go make off with a blood mobile. Oh, yeah. Or the oh, yeah, right, skyhook right. uh, yeah. claw on it. Yeah. You know, something weird. It, so, yeah. But, but the... Br- the bridge really, the bridge really collapsed. That's the right. bridge was really built faulty. Yep. The, the bridge was going to collapse at some point. Yes. I think the mistake some people make is that these uh, these entities caused the bridge to collapse. All they were doing was trying to communicate that this was going to happen. Right. Right. There's and I, a, two would, different things. Right. Yeah. Anytime I, anytime we talk about this or we hear you know you guys talk about it, it feels like this like swirling whirlpool. And at the center of this whirlpool is this town and all of these other things are coming in from the universe to try to tell them, you know, there's something bad happening, but they can't communicate with it because they pass through these, you know, different walls or these different like layers. And even the appearance of Indrid Cole, uh, <clears throat> Indrid Cold is um, an indication of that. It's almost as if someone had said or he looked at you know, from a distance, looked at this whirlpool and saw these people and, and said, well, people seem to like it when other people smile. So I'm going to put the biggest smile on my face possible. Well, it, and and I need to look normal it's, and yeah. people wear suits. 
It's kind of like it's like if you saw uh, the fly, not the first one, but the Jeff Goldblum one, right? Love that when, one. Yeah. Yep. Brundle, oh, the the Vincent Price one. Brundle fly. Yeah, <laughs> the, the first one's great too. But I mean, when he when he first go, you know, the whole problem there is he get mixed. He gets mixed up with the fly, right? And it, so the idea. There is an idea, or and again, this is all speculation, but our show is mostly about speculation. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, if you could plausibly say, if you believe in uh, John Keel's ultra terrestrials, or that interdimensional travel or interdimensional visitors, that Indrid and the Mothman are the same dude, and it, you know that, or or it's the same guy trying to send the message. He comes as a Mothman. He's like, wait, they're fleeing in terror. I'm going to come back I'm as scaring a, the hell out of yeah, these guys. I'm going to come back with a giant smile. You know, so there's there's all those different kind of ideas. And yeah. uh, people will get into the whole argument about mass hysteria and all that sort of thing. But I can tell you, when you go to that town even today, there is a palpable feeling that is still there. And it is – yeah, it's weird. It's real, And it's really cool. I mean, I love it. It's a great place to visit. But, like, when you go into the diner and, you, you know, you sit down to get some good old-fashioned, like, you know – uh, chicken fried steak yeah chicken uh, fried steak whatever and then like there's all these little tchotchkes on the wooden shelf over where they're cooking and it's standing up there is a little carved wooden mothman it's just so like it's just part of their existence it's like right. now, now do you think this is one of my my actual written questions i don't think we've touched a single written question <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that that is uh do you think that that is something that that they just do as a defense mechanism to diminish the seriousness of 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 what's happened? Well, there's certainly, I mean, there's an upside for Point Pleasant in the uh, in the tourism that they get. They have a Mothman Festival every year, which is awesome. They have a museum there, which is awesome. Uh, people go every year, and that's all really cool. So it, it it's useful to them to perpetuate all of that. But when you are there, and especially when you are around the older people, you can feel there is – there's nobody that's like, oh, that's all a bunch of hooey. You don't get that vibe anywhere. And I'm from North Carolina. You go home, go into some little town. There's some story about everyone is eager to tell you how it's all a bunch of hooey. But this town, it's just there's no denial. So thank you guys for uh, for this chat. I, I would love to continue this at some point. Like, I feel like we easily could have went for like six hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Could have kept going. We yeah. did not scratch the surface of uh, of what uh, well, I wanted to talk about the dispatcher, but uh, oh, we, we don't I have wanted, the time I wanted today. to talk about uh, sonic terrorism. Yeah. Oh, can, yeah. Can we have you guys. Can we, can we do this again? I know that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know, Tim just had his second uh, child. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. So, Thank so, you. So there's uh, there's scheduling, you know, so yes, if it's like you need relate. to leave at 415, yeah. Yeah. you need to leave at 415. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, got it. So let, let's definitely continue this and um, it, make it into what know. is, uh, you know, the, the, the MO for both of our parties here, which is. Let's let's talk ad nauseum <laughs> <of> these things <laughs> for as many hours as possible, right, right. as many gigabytes as possible. Yeah, I, I'm not done. I mean, uh, we we got more. Yeah, uh, we, we will be seeing you in time. <laughs> oh, see you in time. See what I did there? Yeah.
person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait.